OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated Metroid one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start at just as little as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Duminal Crossing. It's the first episode of 2023. How you doing? Oh, doing great, Andy. And uh, let me tell you, rumor clause came early this oh year. Oh my because, god, man! You know, we were just. I was going to bring that up, how, actually. Yeah, <laughs> we were just talking about last week how once that new direct gets announced, the rumors are going to be pouring in. No, literally, like nope. days after our last episode, every Nintendo rumor under the sun that you could possibly imagine. It's just. We're, we're we're back into it, man. It's it's 2023, all right. I don't. I, I hold on because it's not every rumor because I I haven't no seen I haven't seen Wind Waker and I haven't seen Twilight Princess HD rear its ugly head yet. But that's so just, it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of time. It's coming, guaranteed. I guarantee it's coming. Um, but yeah. So uh, you know, we were just everybody was minding their own business, going about their new year in a nice, fun, safe way, and all of a sudden, bam. The Metroid Prime HD rumors just kick up again out of nowhere. Like, out of nowhere. To say bam, that... Switch, Switch 2. Bam! Breath of the Wild OLED. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I think that the... We talked about this a little bit on the Zelda cast. Uh, that Tears of the Kingdom uh, OLED was definitely fake. But I, I could see them, like, releasing one. Because it looked like that mock-up looked pretty cool, I would say. But I don't think that, like... If it were me, because I still have my day one Switch, my original Switch with, like, the crappy battery life, I think at this point in the game, it's just, like, I'm pretty sure that the next Switch is, like, you know, gonna be here sooner than than later. So I'm not really looking to upgrade or anything like that, but, you know, for the collectors, that would be kind of cool. Maybe we'll even get a Metroid Prime 4 new Switch, whatever that decides to come out. Yeah, like, if there's a Metroid-themed Switch, obviously, like, my financially stable, uh, irresponsible self is totally going to buy it. But, like, otherwise, I'm just waiting for that next-gen that that next gen console. Uh, yeah, so, I wanted to bring that up with you. You you beat me to it, those Metroid Prime rumors. It's like, god, they, you know, at what point, I wonder, I wonder at what point, which actually ties into what I want to talk about as well, because we got some really good feedback on our on our episode last week, which I thought was a great episode, by the way. I thought we really went in-depth for in a fair way. But a lot of people are like, oh my god, how could you say nothing is happening for this next year? Which, like, I feel like is pretty... Not that out of the, you know, out of the yeah. realm of possibility. So I wonder at what point we, like Metroid fans, were just like, Metroid Prime Trilogy or HD or whatever it's going to be is just not... It's not happening. Like, it's not happening well, on the Switch. Like, I wonder... Like, if, is it this year that if it doesn't come out this year, it's just, like, it's not happening? Well, I actually had a conversation with someone recently who actually is convinced at this point that Prime 4 has been cancelled. Let alone the trilogy Prime 1 stuff being fake, which I, I personally think is insanely hyperbolic, but... Well, yeah, well there's I mean, definitely Prime, some people... Yeah, Prime 4 is cancelled. some people out there that have, like... <laughs> that, that have just, like, they've been burnt so hard that they just generally have lost... Even, like, a rational kind of hope, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I understand that uh, completely. I, to be honest, I feel like I'm almost at that point with Tears of the Kingdom, because I'm just like, 
we did a we did a show um, kind of similar to what you and I did last week, and it's like I could see this game getting delayed again, and like maybe that doesn't sound realistic, but I you know I'm just jaded and I could see it. I can't see they're they're obviously not going to cancel Metroid Prime Four. They went through the you know the expenditure of rebooting it and restarting development. If they were going to cancel it, it would have been you know when they made that announcement that they were restarting it rather than rather than you know putting in years at this point into the redevelopment of it and tying up retro studios from making you know another donkey kong game or something that would have sold them a bunch of copies so metro prime 4 is coming out but i do think it's fair at this point to question like is metroid prime trilogy ever coming out for the switch like i I said on the last like i said on the last episode if we don't hear about it by the time we finally see prime 4 again then i'm officially jumping off jumping off at that point yeah, I mean, I do think, because listen, this is the, this is the Switch's sixth year, I think that, I think that, what, maybe it maxes out at eight years, like, that's a long time for a console, so, like, eight years, so I guess you could say, like, maybe it's coming out next year, maybe, but, like, I'm thinking, too, back to all, like, the, the really big Wii games, or, sorry, excuse me, Wii U games that, haven't made the journey to switch like it feels like every single port has made the journey except for xenoblade x and metroid prime trilogy which i guess was a wii game but whatever so like i'm still waiting i'm still waiting for woolly world but that's like one of the best yoshi games ever and like the switch deserves a good yoshi game didn't they uh they did port that though didn't they but it was the it was nope. the 3ds yeah they did yeah, yeah, it's a 3DS. Yeah, 3DS, not Switch. Not Switch. And, and the 3DS got bonus content, too, so it's like, yo. Yeah, it got, like, Poochie content. World or something, right? Yeah. Like, uh, there is a Yoshi game, though, isn't there? Like, a Crafted World, yeah, is that right? Yeah, there's Crafted World. I um I played the demo, and it was... The gameplay was okay, but, like, God, that music. Listen, you know, I, I give Metroid Dread's music a bad rap, but, like, at least I can play through that game. Crafted World, I couldn't even finish the demo, because that music was so just horrifically awful. You know, I for for the life of me now, I can't remember what podcast I was talking about the Yoshi series on, but um, I you know I've never really been like a big 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 fan of the Yoshi series, which like I want to because I think like it's it's fun. I don't mind that it's like cutesy and a little bit dumbed down for kids and stuff like that. I don't know, even like Yoshi's two for the SNES, I'm just kind of like eh. Yoshi's story is pretty fun, but it's it's not like my favorite. Um, New Yoshi's Island, like I don't know, like it's just. They don't click with me, and I and I want them to because I like Yoshi. I like those games. I like the whole like vibe. But yeah, I don't know that, what it that's is. That's about where I. That's about where I am. Yoshi's Island. I definitely put on a tier just because of Koji Kondo's music for that game. I think, I think Yoshi's Island is some of his best work to date. I love that soundtrack so much. Yeah. Um, that's... But like you know, but but otherwise, I'm about in that same boat. I also have a nostalgia bias for Yoshi's Story just because that was a. Not my very first video game I ever played, but it was, like, the first five video games I played. So I yeah. a lot of memories. It was the first video game I beat, I believe, actually. So Yeah, I, I remember playing a lot of it on the N64, unlocking, like, the black and white Yoshis. I thought was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I even remember playing uh, Kirby 64 back in the day, renting that from my local video spot, which was a mom-and-pop store, but... Anyways, the um, PTSD that he's tucked yeah. away in the back of his memory. <laughs> you know, I did. I played like three hours of Kirby in the Forgotten Land, which was sent to me, by the way, by our pal Metroid 35, who I hope is doing uh, having an awesome new year. Um, so I played like three hours of that. Not good. Not good. It wasn't. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. But it wasn't good. It was just like a mediocre product that, you know, it looks it actually looks very nice. And when you get to drive the Kirby car, it was fun. But other than that, kind of dumb kind of dumb um all right well we've went around the block here but uh what we're going to do today is we're going to take it nice and easy and light and breezy and what we're going to do is we are going to turn to the omega metroid staff raiders uh to power up this episode for us and we are just going to have a nice fun conversation answering a bunch of metroid music questions and if you don't know um, omegametroid.com we write some metroid music questions uh, a couple times a week and they're basically just questions to pick the brains of metroid fans and engage the discussion and debate and stuff like that so we are going to go down the list we're going to answer a bunch of them today and we're going to see what kind of good stuff we can come up with and uh yeah get this get this year started off in a in a gentle nice way so without further ado are you ready my body is ready 
All right, let's start off with a doozy. This is from uh, this is from our buddy Daniel, uh, aka a fallen apple. Uh, what, just an absolute great guy, great addition to our team uh, this last year. If you're listening, shout out shout again out to, to that you. wonderful um, holiday video that he yeah. made. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I showed that to my wife, and she was just like, she thought it was kind of lame at first, but then, then. Like, when the crate started singing, she was like, okay, that's pretty funny. And then, the mini crate came in, the and she was crate. like, yeah. yeah, that was good stuff. Okay, so, his Metroid Musing is, how would you rank the series based on how often you play them? So, not necessarily your favorite, but how often that you play them. And, um, his tier, his tier says, like, you know, I would play this any day of the week, I would play this on occasion, I would play this once a year... Um, et cetera, et cetera. We, we don't necessarily have to stick to that same tier, but I guess, uh, looking at this, looking at this question, like I'm trying to think to myself, if I were to rank the Metroid games based on how often I play them, what would it be? And I think, cause my, my perspective is a little bit skewed because I've been playing a lot of them to write guides and stuff like that for the website. So I'm going to try and remove that and give you a better answer, but I don't, do you, do you have an answer for this off the top of your head? Well, I mean, uh, the the obvious answer right now is Metroid Dread because I mean, obviously yeah. that game came out last year, so I mean, I've been you know absolutely playing the hell out of it. You know, you know, we've been talking all about Metroid Dread. That's pretty self explanatory. This actually also ties into another conversation we had in the in the Discord recently. Uh, Dak and I were having a discussion as well as some other members about like what constitutes a favorite game and yeah, do how consistently do you have to play a game for it to be a favorite? And I made the argument that I can have a favorite game, and some of my favorite games are stuff that I've only played once. For instance, Life is Strange is in my top ten favorite games of all time. And I've only played through that game once. And I'm probably not going to play through that game again for another few years. But I still have a really strong attachment to that game, and it really resonated with me on that first playthrough. Yeah. And And this kind of ties into what I'm about to say, because... You might be thinking, oh, Metroid Prime is your favorite game of all time, so obviously you must play this game all the time. I haven't played Prime in, like, three, four years, I think. It's been it's been a while since I've played Metroid Prime. Right. And for me, the reason why I like to space stuff out like this, and I use Breath of the Wilds as an example in the Discord, but I'm going to use Prime as the example here because it applies here. But for me... Um, when I like to replay games that I have really strong emotional attachments to when it comes to very critical moments in the story or the environmental storytelling, I like to space it out a little bit so that way the experience feels a little bit more fresh in my head the next yeah. time I go towards it. And obviously it's never going to be the exact same as the first couple of times I played through it, but still I want to have a little bit of that same feeling going into like somewhat re recreate those first experiences. And that's why I don't like to just absolutely grind these games in the dust and play them even once a year i like to i like to let the passage of time you know warm those memories a little bit more so i, I don't know I completely uh, how agree. you feel on that but no yeah. i i completely agree i i got to chime in a little bit later in that conversation and i i think i was kind of in the middle of, of you and dak a little bit because i agree with you i think that um you can have a game it can be a, an exceptional game or like a movie or like a book or whatever and you can watch it or read it or play it only once, and it can still be your favorite. That's totally fine. But I, I also, I'm of the opinion, too, that, like, for example, I've seen a lot of people, I think, actually, you might have even said this, like, you know, I, I put in, like, 300 hours into Animal Crossing, and, like, it's just okay. It's not my favorite. But I, I'm kind of of the opinion, too, that, like, if, you know, if you are investing that amount of time into a game, like, A, it must be at least kind of good, and B, like, you must like it a decent amount, right, to, to invest that. Now, that's not to say that, like, just be, the amount of time you put into a game, you know, dictates its quality to you. Of course it doesn't. But I do think that that is somewhat of a consideration. But that being said, I'm I'm with you. Like, I, I like to play... Like, the way that I like to play video games is, like, I like to play a lot of different video games. Like, where I think Dak likes to play, like, a couple games at once. So, like, he'll pick Destiny 2, for example, and play the hell out of that for, like, a year. And you know what I mean? So my playing style, I think, is a bit closer to yours. Where like, I you know, I'm gonna play this new game, and then maybe I'll go back back and play Metal Gear Solid, and then I'll play another new game, and then maybe I'll play a game from that I enjoyed as a kid or whatever, right? Like Earthbound or something like that. So it's very eclectic. So I don't replay a lot of games very often either. 
Um, and when I do, it's just kind of like the mood strikes me, right? Ocarina of Time is one of my favorite games of all time. And I, I do play it often just because of circumstances in my job. But, like, I if I didn't, you know, if I didn't play it for, like, the next five years, it would probably still be my favorite game of all time just because of what it means to me and it, the game is still just awesome. So, yeah, it's kind of like a, an interesting conversation to have. It's kind of an interesting way to look at it. So I'm going to try and answer this as best as I can. So I would say that the game that I play the most, which is probably no surprise, but that would be Super Metroid. Um, and, and I feel like also, and you can agree or disagree with this, but like I feel like in terms of like playability, at least to me, the 2D games kind of have a little bit of an edge just because they're shorter, typically. Like yep, you can blitz through them quickly. Um, so I would say I probably I've played the most Super and then Dread, and then probably Fusion. Um, but again, I'm I'm kind of skewed because I uh, you know I wrote the Fusion Guide. I'm playing a ton of Zero Mission, so that's probably next. Um, I've played like I I don't I played Metroid Prime this year, but before then it had probably been about a year or so since last I played and I the last I played was for this podcast I was researching something so I would almost lump all three Metroid Prime games into like the play once a year maybe um I play I it would be easier to to pick out like the ones that I don't play very often which would be obviously other M I haven't played that I played it for the first time in years and years and years for the podcast a couple years ago I've only played Federation Force once I only dust off Metroid Prime pinball every now and then um, Return of Samus has been a long, long, long time. Although I would say that I play AM2R a lot, and Samus Returns maybe slightly less than that. And I, I never play Hunters. I have to, I have to admit, I, I just, I don't know. It's just not for me. And Nestroid is a rarity. So I think that's everything. So yeah, I think Super for me is a game I probably play the most, especially because like when it's on the Switch now, it's easy to just kind of pick up and play and whatever. It takes like takes me like an hour to beat it so if i'm looking to kill an hour like hey yeah i think i think my ranking would be roughly in the same boat i will say i'm pretty sure zero mission is my most played game of all time at least it feels like that way to me yeah just because of like the amount of hours i suck into it as a kid obviously i just don't have that kind of time anymore yeah like i can't i can't do like three speed runs in, of that game in, in a single day i got bills to pay but like yeah um but yeah, even so, like that's a game that like I feel like I consistently revisit more than other titles. Even though, again, Prime is my favorite Metroid game of all time. I feel like titles like that, and that's kind of what I was talking about with Dread in the Discord thread as well. Is is Dread my favorite Metroid game of all time? No, but that raw gameplay experience mm. and just you know the quickness of that of that um of that single player experience. It's just such an easy game to just get in and get out of. Yeah, and just get that adrenaline rush out of. Yeah, I agree. Like, here's a good analogy too. Like, um, my favorite movie ever is uh, movies is Lord of the Rings. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. I think that's a lot of people's favorite movies of all time. But like, would I want to watch those like multiple times in a year? No, because it's an investment, and it's like it, you know, it's such an epic tale that like, at, at least to me, if you watch it over and over and over again, it kind of I don't know, maybe depreciates, but like. Something like The Office is a show that you could just kind of put on and we can watch. Like, I've probably watched that show more than any other show ever. And I like it a lot. Like, don't get me wrong, I love The Office. But, like, it's not necessarily my favorite show of all time. But it's just an easy-to-watch kind of experience. So, I think the same thing applies with games as well. So, yeah. but, but it is an interesting conversation to have, no doubt. And, by the way, you can have those conversations with us in the Omega Metro Discord. Uh, so, there we go. All right, let's go on to another metro musing this is by me actually and this did some pretty good numbers on uh on social media maybe i like to think because it's an interesting question so here we go do you consider am2r a quote-unquote official metroid title now before before we answer i want to explain myself because I, obviously it's not an official title it's not made by nintendo so obviously it's not an official title so i put quotes in official because what I'm meaning by that is, like, the game's quality is so good, and it's so, like, it's it's just a, an essential Metroid experience. If you were to play through the series, you would have to include this game to get, like, a full, you know, the full encompassing Metroid series experience. So, to me, I, I do include it as an official Metroid title, because I think that the 
the quality is so high. Like, it's it's staggering how good this this game is. Like, it's better than a lot of official Metroid games by Nintendo. Um, and, like, in, in every aspect. And I think that there is enough difference between this and Samus Returns in order to, you know, you can play both of them separately and have different experiences and different expectations, I guess, about what you're looking for in the game. So I, I actually do consider it an official title, but we got a lot of, like, really really good responses that were all over the map to this question. Yeah, I think I'm roughly in the same camp as you. Like, ob- obviously it's not an official title. Yeah. And it shouldn't be considered in a literal sense. But, like, you know, when you give, you know, when you give the context of the answer, like, yeah, it feels mm-hmm. like an official title just because of the amount of quality control put into it. Like, it feels like some like, if you were, like, if you blindfolded someone and they had absolutely no idea what any of the Metroid games were, and you gave it to someone playing the series for their first time, I don't think they would go like, huh, this feels, this, this feels a bit off. Like, I feel yeah. like they would be, they would be like, yeah, this, this feels like a sequel to Zero Mission. Like, like, actually, like, you could, you could 100%, I have no doubt in my mind that you could give that to a, a new player to the Metroid series that maybe didn't know that that was a fan game. And, and just say, like, yeah, Nintendo made this game, and they would they would buy it, for sure. Yeah, maybe say it was put on the DS to explain the higher-quality soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, by the way, God, that soundtrack is good. Uh, you know, I actually... Over on Omega Metroid's Patreon page, which you can sign up for uh, if you want to help support the site, I, I have a series called ROM Hack Reviews, which every month I play a new Metroid ROM hack and, you know, just re- review it, as the name suggests, and talk about a lot of things like the sprite work the level design the original music the, the just kind of the layout of the game itself every rom hack review that i do makes me appreciate am2r even more because like and and listen like everyone anyone that makes a rom hack is like so talented and does such a good job and it's clearly something that you know i could never do but you know some are better than others and uh and when I'm even the best ROM hacks, I'm looking at them and I'm just like, man, this is great, but like, it's incredible what what AM2R did and like how that game came together. Like, it's just like it makes me appreciate that game so much to me. Where I I I count it as like even more of an official title. Like that, it might be my like second favorite Metroid game behind Super Metroid. I guess in Metroid Prime, like it's it's yeah, that same. good. It's same. It's like right up there with Fusion, which I mean. Fusion is like my number two title, so it's like, it's like right up there for me. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, so in the context of the answer, yeah, I think it's an official. Uh, I think it's an official title. All right, this is a question by Big Griff, uh, the Accursed Hunter, and he asks, where should the spin boost and cross bombs have been placed in Metroid Dread? And so the gist of his question is, and we've talked about it before. The pacing of these issues, particularly the spin boost, is is a little little questionable, and the spin boost becomes almost obsolete immediately after you get it. So, if we could wave a magic wand, where would we want to put this? Obviously, I would put space. I would I would put spin boost maybe just before or just after the various suit. That's probably where I would put that, and then cross bombs. Um, so you can actually get early cross bombs in the game, and um, if you take an an unintended alternate route. I think that should have been the intended route, and I think that would have been a good placement maybe for cross bombs <clears throat> in that portion of the game. I'm just thinking right now, and I think that um, I don't remember specifically what item you get directly before you go into Berenia for the first time, but whatever it was, I think that you should probably get the, the spin boost at that point. I, maybe it was the grapple hook. Uh, maybe? Uh, flash shift is what you get in Berenia. So the, the item immediately before the flash shift. I should probably before know this, but... Shift. Anyways, whatever that item is, I think you should get the spin boost there, because I think the extra jump would have helped a lot with the water. Because, like, there is, like... There's a big portion of Metroid Dread where, like, you're in bombs. water. Bombs, you get uh, bombs beforehand. Wow, really? It You yeah. know, Metroid Dread 2, by the way, is just like a crazy... Uh, it's crazy how like late you get the bombs in that game. So, it's yeah, crazy how late you get the morph ball in that game. <laughs> yeah, actually, that, which I, good which point. Which I love. I, I love that they totally like um, to- toyed around with that, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually... I don't think that the placement of um, the cross bombs was too bad. 
I, I think that that's de- certainly the lesser of the two evils. Like, the spin boost felt, like, very egregious, yeah. like, just because, like, you get the space jump, like, right away after that. I would also I would also move around the placement of the missiles as well because I feel like that runs into a similar problem. It's not as noticeable as the spin boost, but like, you know, you get like super missiles and then the storm missiles and then the uh, the ice missiles like pretty much back to back. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that you definitely could move up the cross bombs um, in the game. Maybe I don't know. Maybe like. I guess in and around the same time, like when you hit Berenia, or maybe maybe even earlier, like maybe a Dairon, you could you could get the cross bombs in there, because like they don't really change how the game progresses necessarily. It's just like a it helps you break blocks quicker. I would actually like to see in future Metroid titles the cross bomb just be like a thing that you get when you get bombs, similar to how like um, you know sometimes you get like missiles and then it just like upgrades them to super missiles or whatever like right away. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I would like to see, or like a better example would be like when you get the high jump or something like that, you also get the, the, the spin or not the spin boost, the, or, or, in, or in dread. I mean, they just include the spring ball when you get the morph ball. Yeah. This, I, that I think is a phenomenal yes. quality of life. Improvement. Yeah. The spring ball. That's what I was trying to say. The spring ball. I think like when you get the bombs, you should also get like the cross bombs maybe going forward. Cause like, it's a great, it's a great idea. Like it's very helpful, especially like. You know, playing Super Metroid, there's there's some parts where like you have to bomb, wait, bomb, wait, and like one one block breaks, and you're like, ah. So cross bombs would be great just to have going forward when you get the bombs, but we'll see. Not not really related to the question, but also like I um I, I wish power bombs had more utility in this game. I agree. I feel like I feel like specifically in the 2D games, like after fusion, like power bombs have just been kind of like use more so as a final key to unlock the um the final boss and they haven't really been utilized in interesting ways it's true fusion, i think it, it's it's 100 percent true and i think you saw that in zero mission because they kind of switched what was samus's ultimate weapon from like screw attack to power bombs and screw attack i think is like the perfect ultimate weapon because it, it doesn't necessarily change how you traverse although there are some walls that you can break with it but like it makes traversing so much faster. You could just slice through enemies and like that's like a cool final power up. Or like power bombs, is particularly in dread, you get them and the game is over. And like there's really no reason to go and find any of the other expansions other than just to to have them and to say that you did it. So I would like to see power bombs come back as like a much earlier item as well. I agree. Yeah, and you can't even collect them uh, earlier like you can in say super, for example, because yeah, yeah, unknown item. Um, all right this is one by me <laughs> metroid musing is metroid 2 spider ball one of the worst abilities in the series yes i mean right like we had some feedback to this question and uh the feedback wasn't all that great there were a lot of people were like how could you how could you say that about the spider ball the the fan favorite metroid 2 spider ball yeah <laughs> I mean, listen. We're specific, like we have to do. No, we're specifically talking about the two D games here. The Metroid yes. Two Spider Ball, the Metroid Prime Spider Ball is awesome, especially in Prime Two and Three, where they uh, make it, where they utilize it with the other upgrades. That's awesome. Give me more of that. Do not do the Metroid Two Spider Ball again. At least in most cases, I will say the one example where I do think it works is the Digger Knot fight, but otherwise, just not a fan of that of working in two D. Yeah, like, yeah, it is kind of cool in the Diggernaut fight, but, like, that's, like, one small, small sample. I mean, listen, here's the thing. Like, this power-up is not good in Metroid 2. It's not good in AM2R. It's not good in Samus Returns. And I think both Samus Returns and AM2R are smart enough that they're just like, yeah, this thing kind of sucks. And, like, they give you the space jump relatively quickly after. Like, I know, like, you get the space jump, like, immediately after the the spider ball in in AM2R. So yeah, like I, I'm trying to think of like a worse power up. Spin boost might be a contender, but that's just because it's like more of its placement rather than what it actually is. Um, can you think? Can you think of anything worse? Like, if you, I don't if, know, like what's like what's an item that you're just that just isn't fun to use? Like, there's items. That I have. Like- I have a suggestion. If you wanted to be cruel. I, I think this is almost a little bit unfair to say, but, like, I think that the screw attack in Metroid Prime 2 and 3 
is horrible. Nah, I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it up there. I I think I think it's dis. It pales in comparison to the regular screw attack, but like, but like there's moments in there where it can be specifically the wall jumping sections. I really enjoy those. So yeah, I wouldn't put it on the same level as the spider ball. I, I, the, spider I, ball, I the spider ball is just miserable to use. Whereas the screw yeah. attack, it ranges from whatever to okay this is kind of cool well i was gonna say i don't think it's fair because like it's not inherently bad it's just like not what you want out of an item called the screw attack which we know it can like slice and dice uh metroid enemies that's like that's one uh i'm, I'm struggling to like, think i can't think of any like i can't think of another item where i just am dreading to use it like you know what i mean sorry spider ball sorry but i i think it's you i think it's got to be you um, maybe there's some that we're forgetting about, some that, uh, aren't coming to us, but, god, I don't, I don't think so. Like, it's just, uh, it's not a good power-up. It sucks, like, it sucks just slowly crawling along the walls, and, like, a single, like, an enemy farts on you, and you just fall off, it, ugh, it sucks. It sucks. Honestly, I think, I think a better way to incorporate it in the future would just be maybe to, like, um... If the spider magnet returns in like Metroid Six, maybe also give it morph ball capabilities as well. Yeah, and maybe you could have it have a track system similar to Prime as well. And I think that maybe if you limit if you limit the amount of areas that you can use the spider ball on, even if it's at the same speed, I think that might actually make the item have a lot more utility. Here's what I would do: I would have like a spider track system like in Metroid Dread, but. It, it works for the morph ball. Maybe it's like instead of blue, it's green or something like that. And it has like a magnetic field that shoots down. And if you go into that magnetic field, you're just automatically sucked up to the wall. So like, I don't know. It would almost be similar to the track system in Metroid Prime that you just like stick around and you can move freely. But like you could, I don't know, maybe do something with that. Like you could bob in the air or, or I don't know, maybe you hold a button to attract yourself back up or something. I don't know. But holding the button to like stick to the literal wall... Not the best. Not the best. Mm -hmm. um, okay, let's move on. This is a question made for you, Doom, and this is one from me. Would a remix of a classic theme have helped spice up Metroid Dread's soundtrack? And maybe, if we can even go a step further, what remix would you have wanted to see and where? So, the, the answer for me is, while I would have liked to see a couple more classic tunes rearranged, the, the answer is no, because I ultimately think and I feel like I've said this a lot on the podcast, but ultimately that's not my biggest issue with Metroid uh, Dread's soundtrack. My biggest issue is in terms of mostly the instrument selection, because a lot of the instrument selection, you know, it's, you know, a lot of a lot of the music theming in Metroid Dread, it leans more towards orchestral sounds. And for me personally, I'm not generally the biggest fan of when Metroid tries to do that. There's some exceptions like um like Skytown Alicia, you know, I think that's a great example of Metroid like nailing the orchestral. But there's a, there's a few tracks in Corruption actually I think does it well. Mm -hmm. But generally generally it's to me it's very antithetical to what makes Metroid music unique and I feel like Dread kind of doubles down into into those areas that I don't like. And on top of that, a lot of those synth patches that do try to mimic orchestral instruments, they sound very cheap and almost toy-like. Which makes, you know, certain themes almost sound like they were ripped from completely different games. Like, you know, you're fighting um, Experiment in Z57 or whatever, and it feels like I'm fighting a Mario Gal... It feels like a theme that should be in Mario Galaxy, not a Metroid game. Mm. Or um, or Ravenbeak's theme, which which is a theme I actually like out of <clears throat> context in the game. I actually like listening to that when I drive. But in the context <laughs> of the game, it feels more like a Zelda boss than a Metroid boss. And it, and it feels very, like it feels like these two worlds are fighting against each other. Whereas I feel like the music should be a part of the world enhancing its character. And I, I really don't get that in dread going back to the main question though. I don't know I why, but see... listening to the Raven B theme <laughs> driving got me. <laughs> <laughs> Power is everything as I'm flooring 90 at two in the morning. <laughs> oh boy. But no, um, what I'd like to see is some more classic arrangements. Sure, and the big one, I've talked about this on the podcast before, is uh, after you defeat the Power Bomb Emmy, which should have been its own boss battle, but after you defeat the Power Bomb, bomb Emmy, um, you know, you leave, um, I, can't, I can't even remember what the world what the, uh, area is called. Hanubia, thank you, thank you. 
yeah, you leave you leave Hanubia, and then all of a sudden, um, it's not raining anymore. There's a little bit of a sunrise coming up, and you get the uh, Super Metroid uh, theme of Samus Aaron Galactic Warrior theme playing. Uh, Hell as yeah! You your, as you make your way to Ravenbeak, that would have kicked so much butt. I would have been all about that. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. And it's and it's and it's perfect because it's like the same type of context. Because in Super Metroid, you know. You sank, you know, very deep into the planet, and then you come back up to this area that you're familiar with in Dread. You're, like, back on the um, area where your ship is. You're finally fully powered. It's, like, it's... Uh, it would have... That was the time to bring it back, and they and they didn't do it. That's the one change I would have made for uh, Classic Arrange. Uh, that, that would have been awesome. That, that theme really hasn't come back a whole lot. Like, not really... It hasn't... It, not, not at all. It has not come back. Yeah. <laughs> I Like, on one hand, I, I kind of like that it's, like, the Super Metroid theme song, but... Oh, that that would have whipped if it came back and came in with Inubia. Oh, so to answer my own question here, I I think that uh, I don't I don't dislike the Metroid Dread soundtrack as much as as many do, and I think particularly like while you're playing and listening to it, it, it sounds fine. It goes down easy. I would say that I just don't think it's like all that memorable. And, like, granted, we've only had, like, uh, I don't know, 18 months or whatever to, to listen to it. So, like, of course, it's not going to have that same kind of panache. But, like, I mean, the first time that you heard Brinstar or Fendrana or Skytown, you were just like, wow, this is a, a great track. And I don't think that, that Metro Dread has any of those. Um, but I think to make the soundtrack a bit more memorable, they, they probably could have and should have included some remixes. I was thinking, like, because I think that, like, the problem is, like, the... The soundtracks kind of blend into each other a little bit. So, like, if you if you had a remix somewhere, that would at least kind of pop out and stick out. So, like, imagine that you're in Gavarin or something, and it's kind of like a Metroid Dready style, like Green Brinstar remix. You know, like do 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 whatever. Like, right? Or or let's say that um, Berenia had like the the Meridia remix or something like that. Uh, or you know, like something maybe maybe. Uh, the Sector 2 theme was used in, uh, I don't know, in, in Gavern or something like that. But it, it did kind of feel like a missed opportunity not to draw from, like, any of the other 2D games in terms of, of using, like, remixes. And and I didn't want them to do it the way that Samus Returns did it, because I thought that that Norfair mix that they used was, like, kind of obnoxious. And I, and I certainly... The one remix that they did use was the Lower Brinstar remix, which I don't think that we need to hear again in, like, any games anytime soon. Because it's been in, you know, Super, Echoes, uh, Samus Returns, now Dread. I think that we can give that theme... And that's one of my favorite themes in Metroid, by the way. But I think we can give it a break for now. But yeah, I, I was thinking, like, you know, Green Brinstar would have been good. Or, like, Meridia or something. Like, anything from Fusion. Maybe, like, a remix of, like, that... I don't know what the track is called, but, like, you know when you're talking to Adam and, like, bad stuff is happening? It's like, do, 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 oh, do. Oh, yeah. The, I, that that would have been a cool theme for, like, uh, for Elon. Uh, the, the, the X, <laughs> the X area. I mean, yeah, yeah, for Elon, too, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would, that would work. Uh, what an ex-parasite that guy is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that it would have helped. Too late now, but, uh, oh, well. Um, okay, I've got this next Metroid musing. We can we're either going to spend a little bit of time on it, or we're going to move on right away, depending on how much of a nerd you are, Doom. But this is from Griffin, who is obviously a Green Lantern fan, as am I. What power I'm not a rings? Super Green Lantern. I'm not a Super Green Lantern nerd. I think this is more of a Tomes question. Okay, okay. What power rings from the Green Lantern universe would Samus qualify for? Do you have any idea what he means? somewhat so i'm so okay so let, I, let me like, let me break it down and then you you can come in so i'm a big green lantern nerd uh okay. if you're watching on youtube you can see all my comics behind me so there there's a comic writer named jeff johns he came in around like 2009 2010 to the green lantern universe and like kind of like re revitalized it rejuvenated it a bit and um he basically said that you know you know how there's like a green lantern ring he basically said that, like, there was a color ring for every color on the rainbow. And each ring was, like, associated with an emotion. So, like, green represented willpower, or yellow represented fear, or red represented rage. So, like, it goes through the the whole thing. It's actually a really cool system. If you don't know Green Lantern, I'm not going to explain it a whole lot. But basically, it's just, like, it's like there's a, a ring and a color that associates with each emotion and... Uh, 
you know, obviously I think we probably figure that Samus is is green and willpower, courage. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm specifically only familiar with um yellow and red. I know there was a blue as well, but I can't remember what emotion that was associated. All right, let with. let me let me do my nerd bit here. So red is for rage, and that is the Red Lantern corpse. There is an orange ring, which is for uh, greed, which is there's only one lantern because he's greedy and he doesn't want to share. Um, there's the Sinestro corpse, which is yellow, which represents fear. There is the Green Lantern corpse, which represents willpower. There is the the Blue Lantern corpse, which represents hope. There's the Indigo tribe, which is compassion, but they're all kind of like zombies in a weird way. Like they're all ex-criminals that are now like lobotomized. It's... it's Pretty wild, and I then see Samus being blue as well. I could see, I could see that. Yeah. Um, last one is Violet, which is love, but they're like, I can't remember what their the name of them is actually called, but they're like a bunch of like warriors, and they they actually kind of whip ass. Um, so that's and then there's there's Black, which is like the the death, like the Death Lantern, uh, which is like a big big comic crossover. So yeah, now that I've nerded out, I'm sorry to everyone that's not a Green Lantern fan, but. Uh, it is pretty cool. I will say. Yeah, I would say I would say green and blue definitely feel like Samus to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, here we go. This is from Daniel. Should other M's Excel charge return? I'm indifferent on it, honestly. Yeah. Like if it returns, cool. If it doesn't, whatever. Like I don't really feel like, especially in like the the two D entries with Dread. Like I feel like the charge beam has a pretty good charge of time as it is. I don't need like an instant charge on top of it yeah like i like wh what is the difference between this and the charge beam i i can't remember to be honest so the with excel, you so excel charges are like missile expansions and the more you collect the the faster your charge beam charges up that's right it, it accelerates your charge hey hey go figure yeah i uh yeah i i feel like i'm the same as you just kind of like like i feel like it doesn't take that long to charge up your charge beam in like any game that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, I, maybe like maybe if there was a, I'm trying to think of a scenario. Let's say Metroid Prime Three, where you would uh, you'd go into hyper mode. I think it could be cool if like you had a gimmick like that, and like you got the Excel charge that either made you shoot faster or extended your duration in hyper mode. Like that could that could work. But I, I think like the Excel charge as it is, like it, as it pertains to your charge beam, is I don't know, kind of, eh. Honestly, rather than a, a charge acceleration, I think what would be uh, a much better use would be a missile acceleration that the more you collect, it increases your fire rate of your missiles. Yeah, yeah I think that, would, that would be, I think that would be a much better power-up, personally. Yeah, like, even that, like, I feel like your, your, your missiles fire quickly as is. Yeah, yeah, maybe it doesn't need to come the back. Ba the base missiles, but after you get the, um, the super missiles, your fire rate, um, uh, decreases, and that's just in the 2D games. That's not even the yeah. uh, prime games, where obviously have much slower fire rates. Yeah, so I like I I do think that there is value to having an item that can like accelerate your speed or extend your duration and whatever. But the Excel charge specifically, as it pertains to charging up your shot, I, I yeah I don't I don't know if that needs to come back. I feel like it's probably just okay the way that it is. And it's also kind of useless another end because if you're charging your beam and you dodge an enemy attack, which you're doing all through that game anyways, yeah. you'll instantly have a charge shot at the end of the dodge anyways. So yeah, it's kind of a useless item. Sorry, other M. Uh, Daniel loves other M, by the way. Maybe not loves, but he really likes other M. He put it on his uh, on his list of games that he plays often. He put it not at the top, but in the second tier down. You know what? I respect that. Hey, we've had people defend uh, Federation Force Force, so hey, you know what? More power to y'all. I'll never forget uh, someone saying that Federation Force was their favorite Metroid game, because it was the first Metroid game that they ever played. So, as much as we dump on Federation Force, you know, at least it made one Metroid fan. I have some bad news, actually. I was playing the ROM hack again, which you can sign up for on uh, Patreon, and uh, I was playing a ROM hack called Super Metroid Federation Force, which sounds awesome. However, it is it carries on the same the same cursed name as the Federation Force previous game did as well, so that's too bad. Okay, let's move on. This one is from me. 
And uh, I think that it's kind of a cool question because I'm not sure my answer to this still. Would you rather know Ridley's origins or leave it as a mystery? Hmm. Let me give you some context here. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I'm going back to the comic book well, actually. So I remember when I was a kid, there was a series coming out called uh, Wolverine Origins or like something like that. And they were after forever, like 40 years, they were explaining where Wolverine actually came from and like what who, who he was before before everything, like before the Weapon X, before everything like that. And at the time, it was so like outrageous because it was just like, we can't tell that story. It was it would be like telling the origin of the Joker. You know, it's like just a character that's always been there that just appeared. And it was a big deal at the time. And opinion was divided whether it was good or bad. And I, and I feel kind of like the same thing with Ridley. Like, I, I can't decide if I want to see this or not. What do you think? Honestly, I'm kind of indifferent on it because I think there's way more interesting questions to answer in the Metroid universe than Ridley's origins. Like, because for me, like, obviously Ridley is, you know, he's, he's the big one. But, you know, you know, the space pirate organization in general is a conglomerate of multiple species mm-hmm. that are, you know, trying to harvest resources against the Galactic Federation. And it, it, honestly, if anything, I want to learn more about the space pirates and their hierarchy, how they function and how that was formed more than the specific origins of Ridley himself. Maybe, maybe learning more about his species would be cool, but in terms of Ridley himself, I feel like, you know, he's a fairly one dimensional character, which is totally fine. Like, I think he's a fantastic one dimensional character. I think he serves that role in the games well, but I'm kind of, like, if they do ex- expand more about him, that's fine. But again, I think there's more interesting questions to answer. Mm, yeah, fair. Fair. I do, like, on one hand, I, I do kind of like, like, the mystique around Ridley. And, like, I, I appreciate that. And and I do think that, like, like you just mentioned, and I think we mentioned on the podcast before, like, Ridley's not really a character. He's, he's kind of like a force of nature, really. Like, uh, there's not much to him. And, like, yes... I know that he speaks in in the manga, and like he kind of sorta has a little bit to him in Metroid Prime because they, you know, they try and flesh him out a little bit, but he's really just like a monster that's kind of like this this force that always is hunting Samus. So I appreciate that, but I wonder if we could appreciate Ridley more if if he had like, you know, something that we could relate to, uh, an origin, uh, a motivation, anything like that. And so, like, maybe maybe the history of Ridley and the history of the Space Pirates are, like, linked together in, in a way that uh, might be satisfying. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think I'd like to know about his species. I, I had an idea that I thought was kind of cool. I don't think anyone else did. But, like, that, like, you could, the next Metroid game, they, they like, found some of the, some of Ridley's species. So now you have, like, more Ridleys to conquer or something like that. They, they're not Ridley itself, of course, but, like, more of a species or whatever that maybe the remnants of the space pirates got a hold of. I don't know. I think that could be cool. I, I think it's probably time to give Ridley a break um, and just find some other way to bring him back that's not bringing back the literal Ridley again. The Emmy Ridley would have been a good way. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm still a little bit torn. After all this talking, I, I'm still not really sure if I want to see the origin or not. So, I don't know. I guess that's a good Metroid musing if we still don't know the answer. So yeah, all right. Neither for nor against. Um, let's keep it going here. This is from Big Griff, and he asks a question that we have talked about on this podcast before. How can Silex be a threat to Samus in Metroid Prime Four? And I think that the basis of this question is like Silex was defeated so soundly in Metroid Prime Hunters, like you know, like he was nothing. That how are we supposed to take him as a legitimate threat to Samus if? He is to be the primary antagonist of Metroid Prime 4, which I'm not convinced he's going to be. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that's uh, that's Prime 4's job to explain to us why Silex is going to be. All we really, and, and that's the thing, it's hard to say because we don't really know much about him. The only the only thing we know about him is that he um, he has possessed Federation technology that allows him very, uh, a lot of access to their secrets and... He's been using that technology to get a hold of a Metroid that we learned about at the end of Federation Force, which I assume is going to play some sort of role in Prime 4. How big of a role that is, obviously we don't know. 
But yeah, I would imagine that that Metroid is likely going to uh, be one of the reasons why we have to take him seriously in Prime 4. I would agree, yeah. It's, it makes sense to me that he stole the Metroid for some 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 sort of weaponizing purposes. Um, so He's I'm not a new pet. That's all. <laughs> well, hey, the, the baby Metroid was pretty handy against Ridley in uh, Samus Returns, so not a bad idea. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, there's going to be something that you know something that he does in Metroid Prime Four to extract or weaponize something from that Metroid to make him a more even foe for Samus. But I just like I'm really not convinced that he's gonna be like the big the big bad guy. I'm really not. I really see him as more of like like an arbiter, like in that type of role, rather than like a big villain. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I really think that we're gonna be playing as Silex. I think that we're going to be. I think you'll probably fight him in Metroid Prime Four, but I think it's gonna kind of end up being like a Master Chief arbiter or like Solid Snake Raiden type of deal, where like you someone you thought was your enemy. Maybe isn't. Maybe that's just wishing on my part, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm again. I'm not really leaning one direction or another, just because there's so little of this game we know. Yeah. But like, yeah, I could. I could see him being the primary antagonist. I could also see him being a antagonist. I. I wouldn't necessarily think of it more as an Arbiter situation. I could see it more as like a Dark Samus situation, where in Prime Two, Dark Samus is not the main antagonist, but she's a force of nature that you are constantly butting heads with again and ultimately the final um head that you butt with at the end of the game and then where she becomes the primary antagonist in the sequel yeah i i don't i don't think so i i for whatever reason i'm just not i'm not buying that he's gonna end up being like a villain that you need to destroy or that you need to eliminate because i i just think that that's like a i don't know a missed opportunity like so imagine that silex is the bad guy in metroid prime 4 and you fight him and you beat him then what like and I mean, like, obviously you could set up something, that's no problem, but I think, like, after all this time, that would be a little bit disappointing, whereas I think that if you went the opposite way, and, like, you did have that kind of Master Chief Arbiter kind of style, like, you can expand Metroid if you want to do that. Like, hey, here's a Silex game. Like, it's, it's not Federation Force, but it's, like, Silex Force or whatever, right? Like, here you, you can play this while we work on the next 2D Metroid or the next, whatever, right? Like... So I, I think that that would be a good way to expand the universe. We've already played as Silex in Metroid Prime Hunters, so it's not like it's like completely impossible or groundbreaking or hard to do. I don't know. That's probably just me speaking from like what I want to see, but I do think that it makes sense not I was, to do I that I was going to say, because like, I think that sounds cool, but the question is, is, that's what, is that what Nintendo's going to do? And that I'm not yeah. convinced on. Well, I, I mean, like, the evidence isn't in our favor, because I also would have had Ravenbeak survive Metroid Dread to be, like, a, a foe that opposes Samus. He, like, he should have survived. He should have. He died yeah. way too early. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they're going to pull, like, some Avatar Way of Water magic to bring him back or something, which I would be totally fine with. Have, oh, have you seen Avatar Way of Water? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, the, the thing I just said gets explained in the first five minutes, so I, okay. I hope I didn't ruin anything for you, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't care that much. You're good. <laughs> okay, everybody, check out Avatar: Way of Water. Such a sick movie. Anyways, so maybe they can bring him back, but if they like, even if they do, it's gonna feel a little bit cheaper now, just because he already died. I just, yeah, I'm hoping that they don't do that with Silex, because I do think that we need like some other characters that stick in the series, other than Samus and other than Ridley, who, as we just discussed, isn't really a character necessarily. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right, we got time for a few more here, and uh, I think we're going to be on the same page with this one. This one is by me, and uh, I ask, is Metroid Prime 3's, quote, linearity really a bad thing? And I think that this is a, I don't know, a, a divisive topic, because, like, I, we see a lot of people in our community, obviously everyone loves Metroid Prime. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Metroid Prime, to be honest. But I see a lot of people that really love Metroid Prime 2 Echoes as well. Like, it's their favorite Metroid game. I think you're one of them, right? Like, you love that game. I, I do. It's not my favorite, but, like, I think it's, like, in my top five. Okay. I don't see a lot of people saying that about Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. Like, I, I just don't. Like, I, I've never... I can't think of anyone that I know that's just like, man, that game is my absolute favorite, and I... 
and I love it the most, and it's the best Metroid game. I, I You don't really get that a whole lot. And um, I think if you were to ask people why, they might tell you, like, it, it's because it's a different type of Metroid game. It's a little bit more straightforward. It's a little bit more segmented, I guess you want to say. Um, it's not like the, the typical, like, Metroidvania back-and-forth, lock-and-key kind of experience that we've grown accustomed to. But I really don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that kind of gives it a unique identity. But I, maybe that does hold it back in terms of fans' views. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a similar boat. I think because because like, like Prime Three, it it is my least favorite of the trilogy. But like that's not that's not a diss to Prime Three. That's just a testament to how quality this trilogy is. Like Prime mm-hmm. Three is still a phenomenal game, and that that game is you know we were talking about games that were due for replays. That game is absolutely due for a replay on my end. And I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I, I definitely want to do that soon. Maybe we can do, maybe we can do a definitively ranking prime three sometime this year. That could, that uh, could work. That, that could work. Cause I could be, I could replay it too. Cause like when I think of Metro prime three, I'm just like, we have awesome characters. Like we have the three hunters that are great. We have Admiral Dane who rocks. We, you know, the characters are there. I think the story is there. The cinematics. It was, it's the most cinematic Metroid game. I think, um, the worlds are cool. Like, the pirate homeworld, I think, is so awesome. I think hyper mode... I think hyper mode is actually, like, a great gimmick. Like, yeah, there's a few, like... There's a few classic Wii, like, you gotta pull stuff out and, like, use your zapper and I solder. Lo- I love the grapple gimmicks. I You know, love it. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't mind them, but after a while, it, it gets a little tired. But, like, thinking about Metro Prime 3, it's like, there's some awesome... There's awesome boss battles. Like, I think some of the best boss battles in the series, like... Gendreda, Rundus, the two Ridley fights, like the final boss battle, we ranked the best one in the series, the final area. Like, it has all the ingredients to be, like, one of the best Metroid games, but you never see people talking about it. And the music is right up there, too, I would say. Like, I don't know what it is. I mean, it has to go back to that style of gameplay. So, I don't know. I have I have a lot of mixed thoughts on Prime Three that I kind of I kind of want to save until I actually do replay that game because I because again you know we were talking about games that aren't fresh Prime Three like I have snippets of that game but it's not yeah it's a game that's a very much due for a replay because it's not one hundred percent fresh in my mind so I want to replay that again right. to really gather my whole thoughts but that linearity definitely is one of those things that I remember you know I think we've talked about this on on the podcast before how my ideal Metroid format is the kind of super Metroid style where, you know, you might spend a lot of time in an area, but you're constantly like going back and forth between yeah. new areas or kind of the Metroid prime style where you where the possibilities feel endless. Like you could wind up in an area Whereas starting with echoes, it kind of follows more of a Zelda dungeon format where you mostly spend large time in one area then you spend a large chunk in the next area. Maybe you'll backtrack to get an item in the previous area, but it's usually like a single item. Yeah, I, I really three, noticed I really... that last time playing Metroid 2 is like it very much feels like a Zelda game, more so than yeah, a Metroid absolutely. game. And I think in Prime 2 it works because of the because of the Dark World structure. I feel yeah, like yeah, if, I you agree. Did have, if you did have a more open format, I feel like it would be too chaotic and it wouldn't work. Yeah. But Prime 3, um, Prime 3 definitely stood out to me a little bit more. And I um I definitely I definitely wasn't quite as much of a fan of it, but it wasn't like a game ruining experience by any means. Clearly not. So yeah, it's it's like it's actually quite impressive when you think about it because each Metroid Prime game has its own distinct style, even though you know they they're of the same series. So yeah, I I I personally really like the the focus on story and the focus on like kind of wrapping up that you know that trilogy and that narrative and stuff like that. I think it really works for Metroid Prime 3, but I do understand why some Metroid fans aren't, you know, like, as in love with it. Because, like, Prime 3 feels almost more like a Halo game than a Metroid game in a lot of ways, which which isn't bad at all. Like, it's it's also not bad for Metroid Prime 2 to be compared to Zelda. Like, the, if you're being compared to Zelda and Halo, that, like, you're, you're doing all right, you know? But it well, is different. Actually, well, that's actually something else I wanted to point out. Because I know a lot of people, when they talk about Prime 3, they're like... After the intro sequence, that's when Prime 3 picks up for them. And I understand why some people feel that way. I personally, I actually kind of love the introduction of Prime 3. I love it. It's so I, I awesome. Love it. Like, it's so, it's so un-Metroid. It's, it's definitely, like, I mean, like, let's be real. The, uh, the, the introduction of the game is just the Pillar of Autumn from Halo Combat Evolved. It's, mm. it's just Pillar of Autumn. 
But like Pillar of Autumn is like one of the most iconic FPS levels of all time. And they put it in the Metroid universe, but it they didn't just rip it off. They put Metroid elements into it to make it unique. And then you land on the planet. And despite the fact that it's so detached, I could also say the same thing about Frigate Orpheon from Prime 1, where that segment definitely feels detached from the rest of the game. Um, but I still think it works as an introductory sequence. Prime 3, obviously, it's significantly longer than Frigate Orpheon, but like, I also think mm-hmm. it works um, in that in that same regard. So, like, yeah, I mean, I it sets it. up the story for the rest of the game. Like, it's it's crucial. So, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like, the more... It's just a, it's a different type of Metroid game, which I think it needed to be because if you're going to do the exact same thing as Metroid Prime or the exact same thing as Echoes, it's just kind of like, well, are you better than or are you lesser than, right? Like you it, you might be better than, but it's very possible when you're talking about some of the best games ever made that probably you're going to be lesser than. So by choosing to be different than option three, I think that was a great decision, um, which is a decision that Metroid Prime Two also made because you know again. It's hard to be better than the original Metro Prime, so let's be a little bit different, right? So, we'll, uh, yeah. Shout out to Metro Prime 3. We're, we're due for a replay of that. That should be the next game that we definitively rank, for sure. You're on to something I'm there. I'm totally down for that. After I graduate and I have more free time, like, I definitely want to replay that. Um, okay, okay, okay. We've got, uh, let's do one last one. And I don't, if we're, one or two, depending on if you have an answer for this or not. So, <laughs> this is by me. What's your favorite amiibo skin for the Federation Forest mechs? What say you, I Doom? Even, I can't even remember what the amiibo skins are in that game. <laughs> you know what? I have to I have to admit something here. This is a little bit of a behind-the-scenes kind of uh, peak at Omega Metroid. But I wrote this specifically because when you, when you click on a game in our games banner... Uh, you'll be taken to you know each game's homepage, and you can click on relevant podcasts about that game, relevant walkthroughs, or original content. And so I was looking, and I was like, "Damn it, we don't have any original content for Metroid Prime Federation Force." So I was racking my brain, racking my brain. I'm like, "What can we talk about Metroid Prime Federation Force? I'd make a good Metroid musing." And like, and it was so unmemorable to me. And I was like, "What did I like about that game?" And I did remember, I did like scanning my amiibo and getting some cool suits. So I I do have an answer, actually. You can scan your Metroid amiibo, like the Samus Returns Metroid amiibo, and you can get a pretty cool skin for your mech suit. It's still chibi, so it kind of still doesn't look all that great. But it looks pretty good as far as Federation Force goes. So you can get a cool Metroid suit. You can also get like a Super Mario mech or a Bowser mech or something like that. So I will say that was at least kind of a fun gimmick. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, <laughs> that, my friends, is why that, uh, Metro Musing about Federation Forces Amiibo skins exists. I, I get why they aren't, but I, I kind of miss when Amiibo unlocks were more prominent. Like, obviously, I'm glad that we don't have any more, like, fusion mode stuff locked behind yeah. the paywall and Samus Returns. But, like, I, I, I miss those kind of, like, I, I, again, you know, we were talking about Yoshi's Woolly World, obviously, and, but, like, that, and I feel like Super Mario Maker did it the best where you could unlock these cool cosmetic costumes and stuff like that. And you could do like 50 or like even a hundred or so costumes because of the amount of Amiibo. I, I don't know. I like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like it too. Like it's just inoffensive skins. Like I think breath of the wild did a really good job with Amiibo actually where like you can scan a bunch of different Amiibo and get like, like basically just costumes. Like you can get, if you have like the Ocarina of time, like Amiibo or whatever, you can get like the Ocarina of time costume. And I, I think Amiibo are, are best when they do stuff like that, where it's just like, Something that makes it worthwhile. Like, I don't think Metro Dread did a very good job with Amiibo. Like, you just got an extra energy tank or missile. It's like, who cares? But yeah. when it's something, like, cosmetic that looks like you can see it, you could touch it, that, I think, is the best use of Amiibo. Um, not not what they did with uh, Fusion Mode and Samus Returns. Like, that, I think, is a bad use of Amiibo. But uh, there you go. By the way, Google Google a uh, the Flying Lifeform mech from metroid prime federation force that's the one that i'm talking about looks pretty cool actually i gotta say i'll i'll give it that so yeah that's when you scan your metroid amiibo you get kind of a cool paint job on your mech so uh shout out to that i guess what are the few redeeming qualities of metroid prime federation force and you know i've kind of come around to the main theme actually a little bit as well so i will give it that it's a it's not a bad track 
the the soundtrack in Federation Force is probably my least favorite in the series, but there there are a few gems tucked in there that I actually do like listening. I you know I I right. I ripped the uh, I ripped the the main theme for my Super Metroid episode Federation Force episode. It's kind of cool. It's like an army kind of vibe to it. All right, live reaction to the flying life form. Okay, what do we job. think? That, that actually, yeah, I, I like the I like right? how the fangs. They kind of uh, come down, kind of wrap around. Yeah, yeah. For for any yeah. wrestling fans out there, it kind of looks like like Finn Balor when he's the demon or something like that. It looks kind of cool. You know, as far as as cool as you could look in a chibi Metroid exactly. Prime Federation Force game. Okay, well, I think that's it. We're out of uh, we're out of quite well. We're not out of questions, but we're out of time for today, anyways. So we're gonna wrap it up. This is a great way to kick off the new year, Doom. I'm looking forward to another great year. We have a lot of surprises in store for this year. We're going to do something to celebrate. we got a few big anniversaries coming up. We've got our 150th show coming up soon. We've got the one-year anniversary of Metroid or OmegaMetroid.com. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff that is coming down the pipe. And uh, I think we're going we're gonna to get kicked off the right way this new year because we're back with Mapping Metroid for a game that we've never covered before. Alien in Review returns for the wildest and craziest Alien movie uh, ever. And uh, we're going to start doing some game-specific Q&A. So a lot of good stuff coming in the next couple weeks. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm excited. And I've, I even have a personal project on the uh, back end that I'm hoping to reveal some more information about soon. Nothing that's going to groundbreakingly change the podcast, but something that I'm very proud of nonetheless. I think you might be selling it short. I think that that would be pretty badass uh when it happens so yeah uh keep it locked on the podcast we have a lot of good stuff coming there may not be a metroid game this year by god but we're gonna keep on uh pumping out the hits every week so make sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast review that'd be fantastic and recommend us to that metroid fan in your life check out omegametroid.com for all your metroid needs uh news guides maps walkthroughs whatever it's all there you can even get merch you can sign up for patreon and get extra bonus shows Tons and tons and tons of good stuff over on OmegaMetric.com. And check us out over on Twitter. I'm at Spateri316. Doom is at Doom Cross. And we are at Omega Metroid Pod. That's it. We are out of here. Enjoy the first week of 2023, everyone. And we'll see you back here next week. 